Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Uh, the climate is changing, but one of the most important and, and uh, significant changes is the changes to the glaciers. And we have with us today Hester Discoot, who is a glaciologist. Um, uh, working at the University of Lethbridge. She has uh, degrees from University of Amsterdam and a PhD in glaciology, the specialty itself from University of Leeds. <clears throat> she was invited by the Canadian Standing Senate Committee on Energy, the Environment and National Resources to advise about the role of glaciers in water supply prognosis for Western Canada, which is of unspeakable significance for everyone in southern Alberta and, and western Canada in general. 2009, she was elected fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. And in 2010, she became associate editor of the scientific journal Arctic, Antarctic, and Alpine Research. Um, she will speak uh, and, and, and show us what's going on with the glaciers. So I'm not going to talk too much about that before I invite her up. I just want to say, though, that, you know, fundamental laws of physics, if you're in a closed environment and you keep adding energy to the system, something's going to happen. So with that, I'd like to invite up Hester. A big hand for her, please. Thank you, James. Thank you. And thank you to Safa for inviting me. Um, I'll give a talk which is um, based around glaciers, what the glaciers are doing, but I'll explain. I'll explain exactly. <laughs> I'll explain exactly how the glaciers work, why they are retreating. We probably all know that they are retreating, but I'll explain why and how and what the differences are, um, what the consequences are, and why we should care. So meltdown, this group on glaciers. This is a picture of me when I was sweet 15, I think, 16, in 1985. This was my first glacier, and I was very, very impressed. And what you can see, this is the glacier front, or we call it terminus, and it's, it's pretty much vertical up. That kind of means the glacier is fairly active. I was also a little disappointed because it didn't look as bright and blue as I hoped it to be. It was a little dirtier than I thought. Uh, now I know why that is. So basically what I did is t I took the photo that you see on the top here and uh, as a tourist you take a picture and then I found a picture from 2004 from the same standpoint taken by another tourist. Same picture from the same glacier, Glacier du Trian in Switzerland. And what we see here at the bottom um, photo, just in case you can't see it. The glacier is up here, and the glacier margin is right there. This is all rock. Now, if I draw the same line on the picture that I took, that's your yellow line. So all this glacier area has disappeared, and the glacier actually thinned, too. If you compare this to that, the glacier has become a lot thinner. So that glacier lost a lot of mass. And the first thing that I thought when I saw this 
was, oops, I'm getting old. <laughs> usually, usually you see these pictures from like the early 1900s. Um, and then the second thought that came in my head was even more scary, was that things are actually going even faster than us glaciologists had predicted in the 80s. The glaciers are, are retreating much faster than we predicted. So this glacier retreated 700 meters in 19 years. So the average retreat is, is just under 40 meters a year. Now, the Swiss are very good with their uh, cuckoo clocks and their precision instruments. So what they've done for a lot of glaciers is um, that they've taken measurements every single year. They started with farmers uh, putting a rock where the glacier margin was. So we have records from the late 1800s for several glaciers. And what you see here in orange is when the glacier is actually retreating in um, blue when the glacier is advancing, and this is from 1880 to the present, to 2010. Now, this was 1985. I was just at the end of a slight advance of the glacier, and what you can see here, this graph actually shows you, the line shows you the cumulative retreat. So over that entire period, the glacier retreated more than a kilometer over more than 100 years. What we see here is in the last part, since the 1980s, the retreat has been much, much faster than before that. So obviously glaciers retreat as a response to some climate signal. And I'll explain a little bit later how that exactly works. Now this glacier and the glaciers in the Alps and in the Rocky Mountains haven't been retreating just recently. This is an example of a find that we find much more uh, recently, this is a mummy that they found in 1991, and the mummy was dated to about 5,000 years old. That means that these glaciers have never been this small in the last 5,000 years. In fact, the glaciers in the mid-latitudes have never been this small in the last 10,000 years, since the last ice age, since the end of the last ice age. So we're actually at the minimum right now. We, we're exposing land that hasn't been exposed before. We're melting out things that haven't melted out before. So this fellow was actually walking from, not then Austria, but <laughs> from Austria to Italy, and he fell on the ice. He was covered in snow, and that snow and then became ice, and it covered him for 5,000 years until that melted out. It's a very interesting find. Now, closer to home, you may have seen this. You may have actually been alive in 1932 and uh, seen this glacier. There's a couple of tourists standing here. Glacier National Park used to have more than 180 glaciers, and there's only less than 100 left right now. 1932, this was the glacier. 1988, from the same, same vintage point, it's completely gone. In about 25, 30 years, we won't have any glaciers left in Glacial National Park, just across the border. We'll have to rename the park, I guess. <laughs> so um, this is an example of even closer to home, um, the Athabasca Glacier of, the, of our ice fields, where there's markers where the glacial margin was in 1942 and 1970. From 1942, you can't even see where the present glacier is. These glaciers have retreated more than a kilometer, sometimes more than two kilometers in the last um, 100 years. So overall in Canada, we've now lost about 25% of the glacier area in the last 100 years. If the local yearly temperature increased by only 1.4 degrees, that's not so much, 
then all the glaciers south of 56 degrees north will disappear. Now, where's 56 degrees north? If you go from Edmonton west to the Rocky Mountains, all the glaciers south of that line will actually disappear with the present climate and a little bit more warming. Now, in the Canadian Arctic and all the Arctic regions, the warming has been even faster. So now there's regions which have lost 50% of their area. And where does that water go? Initially, it goes into the rivers. Eventually, it goes into the ocean. So the sea level has risen by about 20 centimeters in the last 100 years, partly as a response to all this ice melting and all that water getting into these oceans. Now, glacier retreat is real. Glaciers have been retreating since 1880. Accelerated retreat in the last 30 to 40 years. Now, what's exactly going on? What are the consequences and why should we care in the first place? Now, first of all, glaciers, you can only find glaciers in the high mountain regions and in the high Arctic regions. It needs to be cold enough that the snow will remain there year-round. So there's all these glaciers areas in the mid-latitudes, and even in the equator regions, we have glaciers if you go high enough into the mountains. Right now, about 11% of the Earth's surface is covered by glacier ice. That's very important because glacier ice is white, so that's reflecting part of your solar energy that's coming in. So the glaciers are keeping us a little cooler than we would be otherwise if they would all melt away. If they melt away, they expose dark rock. Dark rock will heat up the earth even more. So if we count these glaciers, there's about 160,000 worldwide, so about twice the population of Lethbridge. If you take all the people in Lethbridge, you turn them into glaciers, multiply by two. That's uh, about how many glaciers we have. Now, we only have probably about um, a, between 1,000 and 2,000 glaciologists in the world. So we can't actually trample around and go and visit every single glacier. I do a lot of research that uses satellite images, so I can look at remote areas to lots of glaciers, I don't have to go there. Now, an important fact is that about 70% of the world fresh water is locked in the glaciers, mostly in the big ice sheets, but also in the glaciers in the Rocky Mountains. Every summer, some of that melts out and gets into our rivers, and we can use it, and all sorts of living creatures can use it. Most creatures that are alive need fresh water to live rather than salt water. So this is very important for the whole ecology around the world. Now, why care about glaciers? A number of factors. The first three are climate factors. Glaciers are the best climate record that we have. Every single year when snow is falling, there's, there's air bubbles that are locked in. Snow is falling on top, snow is falling on top. These air bubbles record the atmosphere at the time that the snow was falling. So a thousand years ago, these air bubbles lock in what the temperature is, what the precipitation rate is, what the chemistry of the atmosphere is, whether there were volcanic eruptions or not. And also, starting with our um, influence on the atmosphere, we can actually see when we started burning fossil fuels, coal and then oil, when um, we actually started doing nuclear tests, all of that is actually recorded in these ice cores. Now, if we, if we drill an ice core in Antarctica, we can go back 800,000 years. Every single year, we have a record of the climate and of the atmospheric conditions. Second of all, glaciers are 
Climate regulators, I already told you, they're big, white, they reflect energy from the sun. But they also, when they melt fresh water into the oceans, they change the ocean currents a little bit. And ocean currents regulate our climate too. As we now know, we're in a La Nina period right now. We had a fairly severe winter compared to a number of winters before. That's before, because of all the ocean currents like shifting around, and they do that with a certain cycle. Now, glaciers can influence these currents. Now, glaciers react to climate too, so they're actually the best climate thermometers that we have. If all the glaciers getting smaller, we know the temperature is getting higher. If all the glaciers would be getting bigger, then the temperature is getting lower. Right? Second of all, glaciers are really big landscape changers, and we should know because on the prairies, the top 20 meters or so was plastered by the ice sheet underneath the big ice sheet that was here in the last ice age. We used to have about a kilometer of ice on top of us in Lethbridge here, up to about 12,000 years ago. So that till, all that material that you see at the surface is all because of glaciers bringing that material here. If you go to the mountains, most of the mountains are shaped and eroded by the glaciers too. So all that moving around of material means that we sometimes can use some of that material in a place where it didn't used to be. If you like your nice red rocks and you want to put them in your yard, those rocks were brought here by the glaciers from the Canadian Shield. So all your granites and all your gneisses were brought here by the big ice sheets from the Canadian Shield. So they supply sediment, and some of that sediment we can actually use for building purposes. Now there's some examples here, how it moves around. This is Okotoks, the big rock at Okotoks, that actually came off Mount Edith Cavell. That was transported on the back of a glacier about 500 kilometers and then dumped by the glacier where the place Okotoks is right now. This is Carthew Alderson in uh, Waterton Park. The glacier actually scraped out these bowls and then left behind meltwater, and every year it's replenished by new snow and new rain. And then here, there's me standing just south of Raymond and looking at some of that sediment that is being transported, either from the Rocky Mountains or from the Canadian Shield. And as a glaciologist, we can exactly derive where the glaciers were, at what time, what a kind of movement they had. Now glaciers are big water storage units. The, the glaciers in the Rocky Mountains, they actually provide a lot of the water in our rivers. Eventually that water will go into the sea, so it has a sea level change factor. And for us it has a resource value, not only for drinking water, but for agriculture, for industry. But also if we look at BC, a lot of the hydropower installations, they're building their dams just underneath where the glaciers are like, releasing their water. So obviously if the glaciers are gone, we won't actually have these hydropower dams anymore. And this happens all over the world. In the Himalayas, you have hydropower dams in the European Alps and here. Glaciers are really important ecosystem regulators. They melt this cold, very, very oxygen-rich rich water, and there's lots of types of fish, especially salmonite fish, that like that cold water. They're also eroding all these sediments, and with that sediment comes a lot of nutrients. So what you see here is a satellite image of the coast of Alaska. Actually, north is on the left. And if you look carefully, there's these plumes of the meltwater. 
that attracts krill, that attracts fish, that attracts seals, that attracts whales, and there's a whole ecosystem that is dependent on the glaciers being there. Now, at the same time, we're dependent on that too. We're part of the ecosystem as well. But some glaciers actually are melting so fast right now that they're actually causing natural hazards. What you see here is an image from the Himalayas in Bhutan. And these glaciers have melted away. This is the end of the glacier right now, the terminus. And they're actually creating these really big meltwater um, lakes. And sometimes these meltwater lakes will burst out. And what you see here, this is a, a remainder of a flood of one of these lakes. And they've started draining some of these lakes in Switzerland as well. So they burst through the dam, or you have to like build a, an apparatus to actually drain some of that lake water out. So with our big melt that's going on right now, we actually have more and more natural hazards that are related to these glaciers that are melting. Now, Earth is not the only planet that actually has ice. Um, this is Mars. and Mars, we actually don't have water ice. It's CO2 ice. But what we know for life, one of the requirements for life is water. So if we find any planet or any kind of planetary body that has some ice caps or remainders of ice caps, we know the likelihood that we actually find some life form, not those green man that we find on Mars, but <laughs> probably more kind of on a, on a cellular basis, life forms. So it's very important to understand what's going on on Earth to understand what is going on in other planets and planetary bodies. So finally, if you have been to the mountains, you know that one of the attractions of the mountains are the glaciers. So basically, glaciers are a natural beauty. And if we, if we lose all that, then, for example, um, Lake Louise won't be as attractive as it is right now because that lake won't actually be as nice azure blue as it is right now. So some people get really, really worried. For some people, these um, glaciers are very important for their likelihoods. There are ski areas in the European Alps that have some skiing on the glaciers. And right now, with the glaciers melting, some of these ski area uh, directors, Willy Kruger, he is a director of one of these ski areas. He says, we started wrapping these glaciers in the summer. We start wrapping them in these white sheets, and you can see them here draped over. They need helicopters to, to put these white sheets on, and they prevent them from melting for that summer. Then they have to take it off in the winter to make the snow accumulate, and they do that every single year to keep their ski area running. That's a lot of investment, 70,000 US dollars per sheet, right? Obviously, Glaciers are very important for them. Now, if we go a little further away, <laughs> these are the <coughs> penguins in Antarctica. <coughs> and strange enough, these penguins are actually suffering from some pollution that's going on. <coughs> um, What's happening exactly is that if we measure the DDT levels in Adelie penguins, they've remained the same over the, uh, since the 1970s. Even though DDT, as many of you know, used to be a pesticide that was widely used, now it's banned. So in most areas of the world, the level in the animals has gone down. Why hasn't it gone down for the Adelie penguins? Well, the problem is that the glaciers accumulate 
um, snow. That snow was accumulated in the 60s, 70s, 80s before the ban. Right now, that is glacier ice that's being melted out. So we're actually melting out what we call legacy pollutants, pollutants that we used to put in the atmosphere, and uh, we've now changed our habits. Uh, but these elderly penguins are actually suffering from these glaciers melting out all these pollutants. So this is a very important finding. We find that in our rivers closer to home too. Some of that glacial meltwater is maybe not as clean as it used to be, just because we actually put pollutants in in the 60s and 70s. They're melting out right now. How much water is in a glacier? I have a, an Ice Age bottle here that actually filled up uh, by tap water here. <laughs> and the tap water here in Lethbridge, there's actually no um, glacial melt water. But if you go to, uh, to Calgary, some of the water in the river is actually coming from the glaciers. So how much will one glacier provide? Well, a fairly small glacier, let's say a glacier of about one square kilometer, that's kind of a puny, tiny glacier. That will provide meltwater when it melts over the summer for about three or four months. It will provide enough water to feed 25 million people with water for one day, given that they are actually using 300 liters of water a day. That means you can, um, you can water your lawn, you can wash your car, you can wash your clothes, right? You're not drinking 300 liters of water per day. At least I hope not. So, uh, so if we spread that out over a year, we can actually, with a small glacier that provides enough meltwater to actually provide enough water for about 70,000 people for one year. That means the whole population of Lethbridge, given that there's some small children and things like that, babies that don't use that much, we can actually provide meltwater enough to actually sustain our life, right? So that is a lot of water that's in these glaciers. Now, right now, what we see is most of our rivers, if we actually look at the rivers, prairie rivers, they're fed by snow and ice and some rainfall, too, and some groundwater. This is Calgary, flows through Calgary, this is the Bow River. If we take the amount of um, meltwater, most of our water in our rivers actually comes from the snow, not snow that's um, falling every winter and melting every summer. So 80, about 80% 80 is from the snow. And about 20% is from the other factors, including that glacier melt. So if we actually look at the rivers that flow out of Alberta into Saskatchewan, for example, and into the Northwest Territories, for example, only about 6% of the river is still glacier water, right? That's not really that much. But the closer we go to the source, the more, the higher the percentage of glacier water contribution is. So if we go to Banff, in the end of the summer, more than 50% of the water in the rivers in Banff comes directly from these glaciers melting. So imagine if you take, take away the glaciers, that water level in the rivers will actually um, drop dramatically. In the dry summers, especially if there's no precipitation, then about 80% of these rivers will be glacier melt fed. Now, if we actually look at the uh, predictions, glacier retreat means that our late summer flow, and we've already measured some of this, the late summer flow will actually diminish. It means that the glaciers, yes, they're melting, but while they're melting, they're getting smaller, so they actually have less area, less water to melt. So less and less and less and less water to melt. Okay, how do glaciers work? 
First of all, we accumulate snowfall. Every single winter over the entire glacier, we have snow falling. Then we also have melt going on. So basically, this is what we call a mass balance. And the same as your bank account, if you put more into your bank account than you take away, you have a surplus. You're kind of happy, right? If you take more money out of your bank account than you put in, you have a deficit. That's the same thing for glaciers. If we put more snow in than we melt out, the glacier will actually get longer and bigger. If we take more out, we melt more, we calve more, we actually have a deficit and the glacier is getting smaller and thinner. Now, what's happening around the world right now, the glaciers are getting smaller and thinner. So, um, I want to actually go into this. So, what's the link between climate and glaciers? Obviously, there is a link there because that's how glaciers are working. Climate influences glacier mass balance. The glaciers are advancing or retreating. And because they're advancing and retreating, they're actually influencing the climate, right? Because as I said, they are big white bodies. They actually regulate the climate. So there is a complex kind of feedback mechanism going on there. So they're influenced by the climate, but they also influence the climate. What other factors influence climate? There's a lot of natural causes that influence the climate, and some act on a really long time scale, and some act on a really short time scale. Right now, we have land-ocean distribution that has been stable for you know thousands of years. But if we go back millions of years, there used to be one big landmass and one big ocean around it. You have completely different climate systems. Orography, where we have mountains and where not. We know that in Lethbridge very well because we wouldn't have a Chinook if we wouldn't have the Rocky Mountains there. Right? So mountains, where they are, is very important. But they're also pretty stable in our lifetime. Right? They're not suddenly disappearing. Ocean currents, they actually go through fluctuations. Orbital variations, the Earth is going around the sun, not in a circle, but in kind of an ellipse. And that ellipse changes its shape over thousands of years. So in our lifetime, these factors don't really change that much. Now, Solar energy, the solar um, spot count, we can count how much energy is coming off the sun. There's some variation in there, and that obviously is heating us up, or heating us um, up not so much if it's not a uh, high sunspot year. Then we have to see around the world where we have the white spots and the dark spots. So your Earth's Earth surface is reflecting some of that solar energy. And finally, we have an atmosphere around us. We wouldn't be alive if we wouldn't have an atmosphere around us. So the atmosphere keeps us warmer. If we wouldn't have an atmosphere, the Earth would be 15 degrees cooler than it is now. So it's good that we have one, also because it gives us oxygen to breathe. That's probably the most important one. Um, but so the atmosphere is not completely constant in its composition. If there's a volcanic eruption, the chemistry of the atmosphere changes a little bit. And you may have a little bit of a different influence on the climate. If we have weathering going on, mountain building, then that brings in other types of chemicals in the atmosphere. So these things actually change things in the atmosphere. And those things are called radiative forcing. So anything that has to do with the sun is a radiative for forcing. Right now, our anthropogenic emissions are changing the atmosphere. So they're really changing the, bu the budget, and they're making us, the world, a super greenhouse, 
a really very, very warm environment that some of the solar radiation can't ex escape and it's warming up. This is not something new. Uh, in about 1890, both um, like Arrhenius, for example, already calculated if you increase the CO2 by so much, then your temperature will go up right now. We've done an experiment as a world population. A hundred years later, we can actually say, yes, he was exactly right, right? So... <laughs> So basically, right now, if we actually look at the climate, how it varied since about the year 500, so this is over 2,000 years, it hasn't varied that much. There's a lot of, like, some of the solar um, variation, solar input varied a little bit. But what we see in the end happening here is that the climate has, or the, the global temperature, average temperature, has risen by just under 1 degree centigrade Celsius um, per century. And if we look at the predictions, even if we would completely stop our CO2 output and our greenhouse gas output, we would in the next century still have at least a two degrees increase in global temperature. That doesn't happen at the same rate everywhere, right? In the Arctic, it's happening a little faster. But there's a number of predictions with how we do as a, as a population, how we behave. And the worst predictions basically mean that the Earth temperature is going up by about 7 degrees. The best prediction, in terms of our best behavior, it would be about 2 degrees. And that's very important. If you think back about when the glaciers are melting and where they're melting, we're still going to lose most of these glaciers. Now, if we actually look at the greenhouse gas emissions, they've gone up, right? We've, we have measurements all around the world. If we look at the natural variation and the natural influences on the climate, this is what the climate would do if we just look at the solar influence. This is what the climate is actually doing with our human influence. So we can exactly separate what the natural causes are and what the human causes are. And we know we make a significant difference in terms of the climate warming. So um, we know that our levels are much higher than any time in the last 800,000 years, both in CO2 and in methane, they're about 100 parts per million or maybe even more higher than the natural variation. That's a dangerous thing too because we don't quite know what's happening when we take things out of the natural environment. Now, some people have said we've started a new geological age and we call it the Anthropocene. So basically, we now have so much influence on the Earth. Human activities are exerting increasing impacts on the environment on all scales, in many ways outcompeting natural processes. And that's exactly what's going on. So now with the glaciers. The glaciers all around the world, they are retreating and responding to that increase in climate. These are length records of, of about 20 glaciers all like scattered all over the world. And sometimes what you see is some glaciers actually advance over a short period. You saw that of the Glacier du Triant that I was showing that I visited when I was 16. Now, so why don't all glaciers retreat at the same rate and at the same time? Because the climate is actually changing in that region at that rate at that time. Well, there's three main reasons, and there's actually much more, but I want to show you three main re reasons because there's some climate skeptics that say, well, this one glacier in Alaska advanced, so there's no climate change, right? Or that contradicts that there's climate change, right? So I'll, I'll like, show you some tools that you understand better why glaciers would advance. 
as I said, glacier mass balance is temperature and precipitation. If you go from a temperature from minus 10 to minus 8, it's still freezing. But warmer air, even between minus 10 and minus 8, can contain more moisture. So you have more precipitation. More precipitation basically means that the glacier is growing a little bigger for a while. Until that temperature has risen to about zero, and then the, temperature, then the glacier is melting away. Second one is that big glaciers respond in a different way than small glaciers. They have a response time. They have a delay of sometimes 70 or 100 or 200 years to a climate signal. So they're a little bit sluggish in their response. Small glaciers are much quicker. They respond to last year's snowfall, right? So that's why you can have in the same region different glaciers doing different things. And the third reason is that there are certain types of glaciers that are called pulsating glaciers. They flow really slow for a long time and then suddenly break through and then they advance. But all what they do is they flow so slow that they're accumulating all the mass. They can't get rid of it. And then they basically redistribute that mass. They're not really getting bigger. They're just getting longer. Yeah. So that's kind of the three reasons. And there's lots of graphs in which you can show in the same reason, uh, region that you have different areas of glaciers. So there's one more thing that I want to say. The biggest threat right now for the human population around the earth is actually not the water in our rivers, but it's the sea level. And the greatest, human, uh, the greatest climate change threat for humans lies in the potential destabilization of the ice sheets. If we melt the entire Antarctic ice sheet, which won't happen in the next 100 years, not even the next 1,000 years, but there's 60 meters of sea level rise in that. Imagine if all over the world you have 60 meters of sea level rise. There's a reason why I'm here. I used to live in the Netherlands. <laughs> I'm, we're about 925 meters above sea level. <laughs> we're safe, right? But a lot of regions in the world are not safe. Now, the best predictions for the next 100 years is that there's most likely going to be at least one meter of sea level rise. But there's potentially between four and six meters of sea level rise because some parts of these ice sheets are actually not so stable. If you look at Antarctica, some of it is very unstable. And we have even records in the geological time period that this part, which actually rests under the sea level, can suddenly detach and can suddenly flow into the ocean and will actually raise our sea level globally by four to six meters. So where will we be in terms of uh, Vancouver? It will be inundated, and Bangladesh, for example, will be completely wiped away, as will the Netherlands be. So in summary, we're running out of glaciers. They're all sold out. Glaciers are beautiful and intriguing. They're shrinking in response to global warming. Shrinking glaciers means less water in our rivers. Faster melt means faster sea level rise. All Earth systems are connected. They're changing the climate too. So what can you and I do? First of all, go and see the glaciers. If you haven't seen one, this is the time to go. Be informed about the facts. There's two websites that give very, very um, important information that are directly derived from the scientific reports. So of people that know what they're talking about, they directly write it into language that can be understood by the general public. 
conserve water and energy, don't pollute, invest in alternative energy sources to not get the seven degrees um, increase. Previous societies bent or broke, so be flexible, be adjustable. And um, we have examples enough in, the, in our history that some societies didn't adjust and they ended. And finally, don't buy property in Vancouver, Florida, or Holland. <laughs> so thank you very much. <laughs>